everybody. Good morning. Welcome to AV Daybreak. I'm your co-host, Mark Coxon. I'm your co-host. Who are you? <laughs> I'm your co-host, Jared Hillman. Who is that? Like the voice of God, all of a sudden booming in, booming into the podcast. I wish I had a better podcast voice. I do too. I don't like listening back to myself. You know who has the best podcast voice is Tim Albright. He does have a good radio voice, doesn't he? He has a very good radio voice. And if you listen to him, he's amazing at doing interviews too, actually. Yeah, I, I, I've only done, I did one, uh, one interview with him. So that was my very short experience with Tim Albright. Well, if the, for those listening that don't, that don't know Tim Albright, which of course they should, uh, from AV Nation. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw, did you see his, his offer to AV Tweeps that are out there looking for jobs right now? No. He no. said, um, if you're out of work and you're looking for a job, uh, hit him up on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, email, whatever method you'd like. And uh, he'll do an interview with you and put it up online for you to share to tell people who you are and what you're looking for. That's really cool. Yeah. So kind of like a video version of your resume and your skill set, and people get to know you a little better. And um, he's willing to do that for, for free for anybody who wants to get their name out there and try to find a job right now. Is it, I mean, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been on, I was just saying, I, I've been ghosting on, on Twitter here a little bit. Um, but I haven't been online in that area much lately. Is that still like, are we still, are there still a lot of unemployed uh, AV tweeps out there? Yeah. And I think we're, still, I think like, we're like live events is still, I mean, live, live events, events, obviously. Yeah. Live events is still destroyed. So they did, they did that uh, red everywhere initiative. I don't know yes, if you saw that. I did. Yeah. I saw Shore, uh, I think I, I saw Shore, Shore's team put something up about that, so I had to learn about it. Yeah, they did that. There was a, there was a piece in Times Square uh, where a whole bunch of live events pros brought like their, uh, their cases, their travel cases, and tipped them over oh, in, the, cool. in the middle of Times Square and just stood behind them doing nothing because they're all out of work right now. Um, so there were you know, a few wow. hundred people in Times Square just kind of making a, a silent kind of statement that all of us are people who are not able to work while we don't have public events. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that, that part is, but there, I've seen more and more, you know, companies are, are still trimming down. I think it's kind of quietly happening, but you know, um, unfortunately there've been a couple manufacturers that have done it. And then, and then, um, you know, there was a, there was a big merger between AVI, SPL and Whitlock. So I saw that they, I, I saw a few people I know, uh, let go from, from that merger that what yep. was it because of the merger though or was yeah. it because of the industry slowdown or that was oh. coming it was coming anyway it was a redundancy thing which we know right. happens right when you have a when you have a merger like that you don't need two western vice presidents you don't need to you know two service managers i mean right a lot of times there's redundancy so you know there's a the good part is I think, well, I don't know why if it's good part or bad part, but you know, like with the, like the technician footprint, the people that are actually doing the work, usually there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of redundancy there because they want to be able to scale to handle more business. Um, right. But it becomes kind of that middle management and upper executives that have to get shuffled around. Yeah. It's kind of all that overhead, overhead. Hey, we, we don't need two of these kind of. Yeah. Do we need two marketing I departments? Could, I, Right. Right. So 
I've never been part of one that was two very large ones like that. Like when I was at Milestone, um, before it became Legrand, when I was at Milestone, uh, Vadio became part of the Milestone family at one yep. point. Um, but they were close by. They were like in the neighboring city. They were in Minnetonka. Milestone was in Eden Prairie. Um, and their business was so different that there wasn't, there wasn't really a way for, you know, Milestone to just absorb um, all of that operation and let go anybody from the Vadio team. I mean, they were very important to making sure that brand continued on the way that it did. So, yeah, it was almost like a segmented. Yeah. You know, right? like they just kind of said, okay, you've already got all these teams in place. You keep yeah. going. And they yeah. were doing, and they were doing super well, right? Like they're a great company and, and you do market a video camera different than you market a mount or a daylight screen. And so, you know, although those people all started to roll up under a different, you know, CMO or, or whatnot within the company, um, you know, they were still, they were still vital to, to getting everything out. So there wasn't a lot of redundancy there, which was, which was nice to see that most of those people got to come over and, and get the advantages of having a, a bigger company with more money for R and D and all those things without having to, you know, lose half of their staff, which was nice. So, yeah, you know, I had a, I actually had a meeting with, um, with the Legrand I, I believe it would be their marketing department, yeah. uh, marketing or, or show department or live show department um, a while ago. And they, they were reaching out to clients to find out who um, or, or who in the industry do you, you know, appreciate as, as far as manufacturing marketing, who, who gives you value and how. And I thought that was really interesting because they're, they're trying to, it seemed to me uh, that they were trying to learn in this uh, crazy COVID world um, with no more trade shows in sight right now, they were trying to understand what value they can still bring. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I, I think I participated in that as well. Did and, you, yeah. um, and, you know, I mean, obviously I'm a little biased because I worked there for a while, but that team um, has always been very invested in customer empathy um, oh, and yeah. making sure that, they're taking customer feedback into all of their processes. So it's, it's cool to see it in their marketing process and looking at like what the future holds for how do we educate, how do we best engage and educate with our dealers going forward. But I remember, you know, even being at trade shows like Infocom, which is for people listening that don't know what Infocom is, it's the biggest commercial audiovisual trade show. Um, but even being at places like Infocom, uh, Legrand or Milestone always had a, a back room with things that they were working on. And so for dealers that were kind of their, their uh, trusted dealers that they'd had for a long time, they would invite them in under NDA to actually look at new products and new right. prototypes and give real-time feedback of, I would do this different, or I would like this, or why is this button here? This button should be on the bottom. And um, that wasn't just for show. It was actually for, you know, things that would come out next year. So instead of, you know, putting something out right. um, as vaporware, <laughs> they would, they would actually have some of those, uh, some of those prototypes and stuff in the back. And then we're not selling them this year. We're not, we're not just floating them out there to see your interest. We're, we're still developing them and we want you to help us to be, be product developers. And so they take that design thinking and customer empathy feedback very seriously. I know there are other companies that do that too. I just haven't seen the guts of them. So are you calling them cowards? Is that what you mean? You haven't like, 
I haven't seen your guts. Like Where's, have, Where's your they, medal? They, Where's your medal? They don't have the guts. They don't have the guts to, <laughs> to call us. Um, so what, what would you say? Like what? Because I felt like I was more. Um, I felt like I was more. I mean, I'm always ranting. That's what I, I. I'm. I'm the epitome of the get off my lawn guy. Yeah. Uh, when people get me going, and I mean, I was polite, as I am. Yeah. Um, and I. I have nothing against them. I, it's. It's just funny because they would ask me like you know manufacturers do that you 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 gain value from what do some manufacturers do that you don't like you know things like that so what would you what what was your response what did you say in a in a world because i think the premise was if we can't get together if we can't do trade shows how does a manufacturer still bring value and still get their product out what did what did you say then yeah i mean i I, I'm a big fan of, you know, I like hands-on, I like hands-on experiences. So for me personally, um, you know, seeing a picture of the box on the screen and talking about the box or whatever it happens to be on the screen is a first level of interest, but does not get me anywhere close to where I need to be to understand, um, if the product is exactly what it says it is. So in my experience as an AV person, um, the spec sheet is rarely complete uh, or does it divulge all of the little idiosyncrasies of a product, right? So let me, let me give an example. So I used to sell home theater gear, right? Mm-hmm. And home theater gear would have a zone two output. So I would have a home <laughs> theater receiver and that home theater receiver would have a zone two output that would allow or, me. Or zone B. Right. Or not, yeah. not, not, not speakers A and B, but like a second zone. So you could actually play a different, oh, a oh, different source. Oh, okay. So All you right. had speakers A and B that I could have two right. sets of speakers playing the same thing and I could activate them with little A and B buttons. Right. Yep. And then you would have a second zone. So like if I wanted to listen to radio on the patio while somebody's watching a movie in the living room through that same receiver, it would allow that secondary right. source to be routed to the patio and for that audio to play out there. Right. However, the interesting thing about most of the products that did any type of zone two, at least back in the mid 2000s, was the only items that could be routed to zone two had to be plugged into analog inputs. Right. That's still a thing. So that's still a thing. So if you have an, if you have a DVD, if you have a CD player at the time, you had a CD changer at the time and the CD changer was using an optical cable because at the time that was the best digital transmission was you use a, an optical cable, a Toslink cable. Yep. You can't push that out to the patio unless you also put the redundant analog output from that same CD changer into the analog input on the machine. And I don't know how many times I went to site with analog cables to people's homes after they moved in because they're like, my stuff isn't working on the patio. And I don't know why our technicians at wherever I was at didn't, like log this information and just start doing it uh, probably because I was dumb enough to just do it every single time. Um, but I was usually out in the neighborhood anyway, doing appointments because I would meet people like at the model homes is usually where I'd meet people to do their yep. design because most people were very visual. So like, well, let's walk through the model home and I'll point to where I want a TV, you know? And so I'd go out there and they'd point to where they wanted TVs and speakers and I'd make little notes. Um, and so when I was out there doing those, I'm like, well, I'm going to be in the model homes from nine to 11 doing appointments. I can come by afternoon and quickly do your thing. So I'm going to be in your neighborhood anyway. 
And so uh, I did those all the time, but those things are rarely divulged in a way on a spreadsheet or a spec sheet that is helpful. <laughs> um, and so, you know, you, you start to design things thinking that maybe something works a certain way and it doesn't. So for me, anytime I sold something new, uh, even now, if I can, anytime I sell something new, once the product hits the dock in the back, I go open it, plug it in and use it to see if it works the way that I thought it worked when I designed the system. Because I don't want to get the, uh, because what'll happen is typically in a smaller company like mine, and maybe like yours too, the technician, when they're on site, if things don't start lining up, like they go through and like, wait, this isn't quite working right. They'll call me as the salesperson and say, what were you intending to do here? You yeah. know, like what was the intent of this? Cause I can't get it to work the way I think it's supposed to work. So can you confirm with me how this is supposed to work? And I'll tell you if it can or can't do that at this point. And I didn't want to be at that decision point on site with now we have a product. Now the job's supposed to be done in a day. And now we figure out the product a day before doesn't do what we need it to do. So they still have that issue with, um, from, from my minimal residential experience, I think that issue that you described still exists, but now with streaming service. So even though this home theater receiver has access to Spotify, uh, you know, Google music, Apple music, whatever, and they may have a zone two. Now the challenge is you can't stream a second source of, um, of uh, online music to that zone. You have to listen to the same thing or something else. Yeah. Because right, which I, I can understand. stream one stream one service. At right. Time. Yeah. So it there plays. are players. I mean, there are players that work that work around that now where they, you know, there's, um, uh, I think the one that we've worked with is autonomic. Okay. Um, autonomic has up to, I think five, five streaming services on some of their players where you can log into five totally different streaming services and select between them all um, independently. So yeah, those were, those were always the things that I had trouble navigating. So if I was thinking of doing something and saying, hey, we're going to live in this world where not as many people are going to come and look at something, see the back of it, hear it, touch it, feel it, talk to the product manager and ask questions once they start to process things visually. Um, yeah. That, that, you know, why not do something where, you know, you send something out ahead of time to teams and you say on this date and this time. Right. We're going to go through it, but, you know, run it through its paces, see what you think, bring your questions um, so that you're not learning about it for the first time. Because how valuable, I mean, and this is for any webinar, for anybody running any business, how valuable is it to ask somebody a question, you know, five minutes after you've told them about a product or a feature? Because you really haven't had time to consider the implications, the relevancy, you know, to really think through what yep. they're saying the product does. And then usually it's the day or the next day or a couple of weeks later, you're like, wait a second, like, does it do this? Does it do that? And now you're, you're kind of back chasing information. Um, yep. For me, it'd just That's... be much more valuable to play with it first, have a meeting after we've all seen and touched it and then start to ask questions and go through it. You, you have to have a pretty, um, that was one of the things I brought up was, was vendor demos. And you have to have a pretty, a pretty scheduled and, organized team to actually make use of demos because 
you know, being, being a smaller company, we've had that issue before where we're like, oh, we'd love to see that product in action. And the rep is great. And they're saying, okay, we're going to send it out to you. And they send it out to us and it sits on a shelf for two weeks. And then, you know, three weeks later, the rep is saying, hey, can I get that demo back? <sighs> and we've never even touched it because we, we haven't had time. And so you, you do almost have to, this is something we're not very good at yet. Um, and even though our engineering department has been asking for, you know, a skunk works kind of system where they want to bring in new product, they want time to play with it. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've brought in demos before and just not made use of it, unfortunately. But yeah. You, you, you have to build the system around that. You can't just, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't think you can just nonchalantly bring this stuff in because you have to learn those gotcha moments. Yeah. Right? Like, that's... Oh, yeah, I have two sets of demos coming into my office um, right now. So I had somebody, somebody who cold called me, Jared. He cold called me. Are you from Louisville? He, he didn't ask me if I was from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, <laughs> he did cold call me. I, he had hit me a couple times on LinkedIn, um, but his product and service was relevant um, yeah. to what we do. Um, he was, he, I, I almost, I almost want to throw it up as an example on selling AV of what he did, but he was just, he was very um, self-effacing and self-deprecating and said, you know, Hey, look, I know, I know you get a ton of calls and a lot of people do this stuff and build this stuff, but you know, I think we're doing something kind of special here. And like, dude, like if I was going to call other people like you, you know, how do we, you know, how do we try to get some traction in this market? He goes, I see you're everywhere. Like people talk yeah. to you. Like, you know, even if you're not interested. Oh, see, see what he did there? He, he warmed you up. He's like, he took it. Exactly. I know that you're really important. You're exactly. a big deal. <laughs> Can you believe that? Yeah. So <laughs> the nerve of this guy, <laughs> the nerve of this guy. So it was, it was this really cool way that he asked for coaching. And I don't know if you've ever taken uh, Miller Hyman. Have you ever taken the Miller Hyman sales training? Uh, no. So Miller Hyman sales training is very interesting because, um, one of the things they talk about is in every sale, you should find a coach. So if you're doing a complex sale, you're trying to get into a complex organization, find somebody who yep. knows the organization. It could be somebody who works there. It could be somebody else who just works with them, but somebody who um, can help you navigate, uh, but also who has a personal win in your success. So it's going to make them look good to whoever they're talking to, or, yeah. you know, they have some vested interest in you succeeding yep. in that relationship. Um, but one of the th interesting things that they talk about in that is that if most people, if you ask them for help, they're reluctant because help yeah. in a way you interpret as Jared, can you help me? It sounds like I want you to do work. Yeah. Right. Like Jared, can you help me? It sounds like maybe I want you to make a call on my behalf. Maybe I want you to write something for me. Maybe I want you to do something for me. But if I say, yeah. Jared, can you coach me on something? Most people I'll say, yeah, sure. Yeah. If I have some input, I'd, I'd love to coach. I mean, I, people have this um, kind of like this warm appreciation for coaching versus yeah. this connotation of helping, which, which infers work. Um, well, it's, it's, which is what he yeah. did to me. He did it. He played it. He played it perfectly. Actually. He played it like a fiddle, Mark. He did, you know, and I don't usually, I don't usually take the cold calls. Number one, number two. I, so I just happened to pick it up. Um, it was from Ontario, Canada, and I don't get a lot of calls from Ontario. So, uh -oh. this is so, a scam. so I picked it up. Um, or actually, no, <laughs> wait a second. He was from South Dakota. I'm sorry. He was from South Dakota. But uh, same, same thing. 
No, no, no. I got another totally, call from, totally from Canada. But, uh, <laughs> but anyways, I, I picked up and we talked and, and uh, now I have demo equipment coming. I don't know how my engineering department's going to feel about that, but I'm going to have them test it out because I think it could be something we could use. So, Yeah, I think it is interesting. Um, you're right. When, when, you, when you phrase it as if that person has to give something to you, yeah. Because right? I think that's what people, most people have their backup when they are speaking to someone that's in sales. Most people have their backup and they're going, this person wants something from me. Yeah. Right. And so the minute you say, Hey, can you help me do this? That it's like, Oh, that just confirmed you want something from me. And now I have to step in and do this. Yeah. Whereas you're right. It, it, it's almost like it, it changes that. It, it, it almost changes that relationship because when, when they do rephrase it and say, Hey, look, you're, you know what you're doing in this industry. I'm, I'm kind of just trying to, we're trying to, we've got a great product, but we're trying to break into that industry. What would you say is the best way to approach this, right? Like how do I, how do I actually, and, and we've done this before where we've said to, um, you know, when we've worked with architects or we've worked with uh, electrical engineers, people in that kind of line of work, w- you know, we've had those conversations where it's just, Hey, look, we don't want to waste your time. We want to be valuable. So how can I bring value to you? Like, what am I lacking here? What am I missing? If I, if I were to host, and I think you've, you and I have talked about this, where we've said you have a, a, a mini round table session and you've said, we, we want to, we want to be valuable. We want to have lunch and learns or webinars. What's the topics you're looking for? What do you, what do you guys need? What do you need help on so that we're not wasting your time other than free food? How yeah. can we give you more, you know? And it almost turns it like you want to give this person something, but yeah, I, I like that approach. I like this guy. Who is he? Give me his name. Cause we're hiring a, an account manager. So I'll, I'm going to track him down. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he did a great job. And I've got another, um, I've got another piece of demo gear where we actually, when you're talking about running something through its paces, you know, we had something come in that we were interested in. Um, you know, an engineer brought it in and set it up and it wasn't, it wasn't uh, it was kind of a, it was kind of an ad hoc version of the real product because they, they didn't have the real product with them. They just happened to be in town and, and set something up for us. And, yeah. uh, but, but we Coming were out next to... spring. Um, no, it was something that was out. They just didn't have the, they had a, uh, I guess, long story short, like the finished product is like a little 10 inch touchscreen and blah, 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 blah. But when the okay. engineer comes around, you know, they've got a 22 inch touchscreen in their in their box. It's not the version that they use right. to sell, but it's the version they use to test things and show things. And, you know, um, so anyways, they yep. left that demo kit kind of, of the, of the, of that with us. And so anyways, we had a lot of feedback and then they came and took it and then they went and reprogrammed some things and changed some things. And now they're bringing it back based on that feedback, feedback. So, um, to show us that it can be flexible enough to do what we need to do. So we'll see, but that, I mean, for me, the hands-on, like that's what's going to be missing if I can't go to a trade show. It's how do I, how do I see and touch something? Um, because that's when I start to have questions. And then at a trade show also, I have opportunity to come back usually. So I'll do my exploratory day on the floor, but yeah. then I usually will have like the next day, like, Hey, I did have a couple questions. I'm going to go back. Hey, I was here yesterday and we looked at X, Y, Z, but I was thinking about it. And how do you handle this? And it gives me that second opportunity with somebody in person. Um, to go. So, I mean, for me, that's been a huge thing. And, and I think, I think too, it helps me that I always go with the intent to write about the show because I do, you know, some blogging and podcasting and things like that. Yep. Um, yep. So you have to know, 
you have to be in the know. Yeah, so I'm 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 already saying, okay, what interested me? What can I write about it? And then I start isolating all the things I don't really know about the product. Um, yep. And then I'm like, okay, these are the things I have to know if I'm going to write anything valuable for anybody else. And so, anyways, I I'm I'm going to miss that if we go all virtual. Uh, the other thing I didn't I don't like in AVIT Summit, I'll say I was part of that. I think they did a great job um, with their show. Sure. Uh, they used a, I don't remember the platform they used for the, the platform version. was cool. The platform was cool. The yeah. oh, my only negative feedback on it was that the um, the vendor booths. Um, it was really just the same. It was the same booth with a different banner and you could either pick the male or the female avatar, right? To stand in front of it. So right, when you were going right. through the trade show floor, you're scrolling left and right. It's like the banner changed to blue and the guy's shirt changes to blue. And then the banner changes to red and it's a female and not a male. And then the, then there's two banners and it's twice as wide, right? Like for the 20 <laughs> by 20 instead of the 10, right? So yeah. Yeah. for me, for me, it just wasn't enough to like actually draw me into to do something. So there's this, there's this level of, there is this level of immersion and wow and kind of attention that, that certain booths get at the show. Um, I used to really like when Christy would do the, the kind of, you had to come inside the circle. Uh, yeah. And they still do, right? They, 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 Christy, the Christy booth is usually one of the larger ones, right? And they, yeah, do all their stuff on the outside, but you have to go on the inside to actually see it all. Yeah, I think Barco's done that a couple times too in the past. They haven't the last couple of years, but where they've almost like the, you know, the metronome, the Thunderdome, the, you, you have to come inside and then you've got 3D visualization and then you've got, you know, edge blended projection and you've got the ceilings mapped and then you've got LED on yep. the outsides pulling you in and they create, they create this kind of environment that has an attract loop on the outside and then actually lets you start to explore on the inside. I've written about this before. Like if I was really going to do a trade show, I'm, I'm yep. just, I'm just going I'm, you, you threw out the topic. I'm sorry. I'm talking. No, we're a lot. just going on it now. Yeah. If I was really going to do something, this is what I would do. I would, I would actually build it in a couple different ways. Um, I would have three levels of experience going through, going through the booth. So I would have the initial show, like here's content playing. We're using our audio, we're using our video, we're using whatever, right? Yeah. Then you have the toured version where you start to break everything down. And then you have the behind the scenes tour that actually shows you the back and in between and how everything's connected and how everything's working and what the signal flow is. And so depending on how deep someone wants to go, they can get the wow, just walking in. Yeah. And they can get some, they can get some hot bullet points for the people that install. And then for the engineers, you have the full, like, we're going to walk you behind the, you know, behind the laminate plastered over the truss work. And we're going to show you all the stuff that's running this and everything that went into building it from that you perspective. Know, you know, what's interesting about the way that you just rolled that out is, is a, a, a book, the three minute rule that I've talked about quite a bit now is you've just broken down like that process in the three minute rule. He talks about how to give that three minute pitch that captures everything that clients care about or, or potential clients care about. And so what you did, it's, it's called the whack. I'm, I'm looking at it cause I have it. I actually have it already like diagrammed out on my, on my wall, in my office, but it's called the whack method. Right. And so the first two, the first the WH in whack is conceptualizing it. So, um, it's kind of like, 
um, what do we do and how do we do it? Right. And then, and then as you bring, as you bring the client in that way, then you get to the A, which is like, okay, are you sure? Are you sure this is how that you can do this? Are you sure, you know, and you're, you're kind of, this, this is the contextualized. So the, what we do and how we do it is the concept conceptualizing it. And then you go into the, are you sure you can do this? And that's the contextualizing it, which is what you said. They bring you in and kind of show you, okay, this is now everything's in action. Yep. And then the last one is actualizing it and it's the C and it's the, um, it's the, can you do it? Wow. And that's where, yeah. So it's funny that you, you laid it out that way. Cause that's, that's, that's what the whack method is in the three minute rules. Like, you know, pe- bringing people through, this is what we do. This is how we do it. This is how I'm telling you, I know I can do this, you know, and that's how uh, you, ah. you, you get that trust. So now would your, would your participation in a show, here, here's what's interesting is there's like two reasons people go to um, the exhibits in, a, in booths and shows to me. Mm-hmm. One of them is I'm looking for something to solve a problem. Yep. And the other one is I'm looking for an opportunity. And so that, I feel like that almost has changed, you know what I mean? Like, cause I feel like I'm, I'm probably more, I guess maybe it depends on what I'm working on, but I, I feel like depending on the webinar and stuff, I feel like I'm typically going in with a problem solving mentality. I've got a project. I'd love to meet the requirements and I'm looking for something that can do it versus I'm going to check out this webinar because this is something I've never heard of. And maybe there's an here you know yeah which I, what, what camp do you lay in I'm, I'm in the same camp i think virtual lends itself to problem solving mode yeah because because you have to pre-schedule time yeah you have to plan in advance that i'm going to take time to address this issue or to learn about this product or service and the amount of times that you're going to do that when you don't know if the product or service has any impact relevancy to your business is going to be extremely low most of the time. And, and I think there's a, a lot of follow-up work. A lot of follow-up work. And I think this is the yeah. problem with virtual work in general yeah. is that everything is task-driven. So yes. if we need to make a decision on XYZ, we'll schedule a meeting and do it. But that that um, like, I, I mean, I've said a million times, aha, aha moments are, are rarely scheduled, right? Like, oh, at two o'clock tomorrow, I'm going to come up with the world's best new idea for a business. Like that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't happen. So there's, there's, there's a, they're, they're like bathroom break. They're, they're like going to the bathroom. Yeah. There's, there's a feeling there's a, you get. There's an opportunity that happens when you're in a mode that you're, like you said, and this, and your, your brain is in discovery mode or there are openings that are happening and you have this, you kind of have this lucky, you know, opportunistic meeting with somebody where you ask about their day. They say, Oh man, I was working on this problem earlier. And you're like, Oh geez, that sounds like it's crazy. It's like, yeah, my people were doing X, Y, Z. And I'm like, dude, what are we doing? And, and I'm like, well, how do you do? Oh, that's crazy. We tried this at my old place. Like, Oh wow, that's an unlock. You know, like all of a sudden that little meeting at the coffee pot with yeah. somebody who's not close to you in the office or in your group, all of a sudden spurred an idea or spurred some new thing or brought in information from the outside. Like when they say innovation is is typically seeing the same problem just from a different angle, 
right? Like everybody who's in the problem is seeing it from one viewpoint. And yep. it's typically that, that extra third party view that is what's going to cause innovation to happen because they're not stuck in that paradigm. Right. And you don't get that when you come into a Zoom meeting with an objective and a subject, typically. And, and what else do you have in that Zoom meeting? Limited participants. Yeah. Because you're not by chance, like you, like you brought up a great example, you're not by chance running into um, so-and-so at the coffee pot and you just start talking about the, the challenge you're having and you never even thought about asking them. Yeah. Right? Because when you set up that Zoom meeting, you're going, okay. I need these two people because that's what they're focused on and they're going to bring me ideas. Yeah. And, and so you do lose those organic um, problem solving. I like it. So like when, problem solving mode and opportunity mode. I like it. Yeah. And this is like, you know, something bad people, people will hit on the open office as being, you know, counterproductive to deep focus work. And I don't, I don't, um, I don't disagree that that happens a lot. Um, but you know, the, the, one of the, one of the, a couple of the things that we talk about when we're talking about just workflow and workplace in general, um, you know, there are two main things that really help if you want to create these, these opportunities. So one, one piece of information that you, you have to know, like is proximity matters. So like if you sit on a floor in a set yep. of cubes, like the chances that you interact with anybody more than 150 feet away from your desk on a daily basis is really, really low. Like you don't go to another section, you don't go to another floor. Well, right? especially so unless, now. It, well, yeah, especially now. But even yeah. when everybody was in, yeah. the people, if you traffic map offices, the people that people interact with most are the people that sit within like 100, 150 feet of where they sit. And those are the people that they right. interact with day in and day out. And if you're in a team structure, then you're only interacting with the people on your team and maybe virtually with some other people that are farther away. Um, so these opportunities to see other people by creating community spaces that everybody have to come to, or by putting departments that need more innovation in maybe in a walkway, so that the engineering people have to walk through to get to their desk, and the person who's sitting there doing product development's like, oh, Bob, like we were just talking about something, like, can you come over here and look at this sketch real quick that we were talking about? Like giving them opportunity to, to be in a place where people have to walk through, Yep. right? Um, helps. And then the other thing is, is uh, adjacency. So if you do have that chance meeting, is there a place that you two can sit down and work ad hoc right then with what you have? Cause you don't want to yeah. break the flow. So like if I've only got my iPhone in my pocket, can I sit down at the work cafe table, hijack the digital signage display. And now all of a sudden I can start showing something I was working on at my desk and we can have a meeting right there with what was there with what was in my pocket as opposed to wait here let me go get my computer because that doesn't work right man isn't isn't workflow interesting like it's people, super interesting like people like what you just like that situation you described it's like it, it's so ideal to so many people but when it's presented it's so hard to get them to break past that point of where it's like, no, no, I can't just nonchalantly walk into a room and work with this guy or this girl. I have to go back to my office. I have to get my laptop. I have to w go down to the boardroom. I have to plug it into the device. I have to call it cause it's not working. And I have to put myself up on the screen and I have to schedule the room. And that ad, like if people could leverage that, um, if they could learn to leverage 
that ad hoc mobility flexibility truly leverage it you know i mean yeah. that's the stuff that's the stuff that's the stuff dreams are made of mark well you know what's interesting and i'm not <laughs> i'm not pimping any i'm not going to pimp any product but i'll tell you i'll tell you about a product that i thought was interesting that i that i tested since we're talking about products that people send you and then had the meeting. So this meeting went exactly like that. They sent me the product kind of ahead of a meeting. And then we had a meeting about the product after I got to play with it, which was great. Yeah. Um, uh, it was uh, HRT Huddle Room Technologies, which has subsequently been bought or purchased by Biamp. So they're okay. now part of, they're now part of Biamp. And you say, well, Mark, wireless presentation systems are everywhere. I got you know, Barco ClickShare, I've got Crestron Air Media, I've got Kramer Via, I've got, you know, I've got a hundred Chromecast. Yeah, I've got a hundred <laughs> I've got Chromecast. I've got yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I've got I've got a hundred options on this. Why why do you care about huddle room technologies? Well, one of the interesting things that they had built into their system um, was this idea of uh, virtual virtual rooms. So the box obviously has an HDMI output on it, you know, yep. and has an, a USB input on it so that you can actually share wirelessly cameras and stuff like ClickShare Conference and some of these new systems do. Yep. Great, awesome. But what it does is if it's in, um, it's on the Wi-Fi network, right? That's the way that it shares. You're sharing via Wi-Fi signal. Which is the gotcha moment in all wireless sharing devices, I find. We were talking about spec sheets that don't, don't easily display something to end users. Yes. That's the gotcha moment. People yep. think wirelessly connect. Oh, no problem. Oh, I have to be on the same Wi-Fi. Oh, yeah. anyways. So a hundred percent. I agree. Yeah. So this, what this, they had these, this idea of virtual rooms and the virtual rooms, um, the same box can run other sessions with boxes with, uh, other, you know, devices that aren't actually connected. So if you wanted to start a virtual room, you and I could just join a virtual room on our phone and I could start sharing data from my phone to your phone or from my phone to your computer or whatever device we have, we create a virtual room and now we're together. We don't need a display. We don't need a camera. We yep. have cameras on our own devices. We have our, our screens in our pockets. So we could just start meeting around our own devices and not huddle around my computer. Um, but the other interesting thing about that was that um, it allows, if you had a, an Android stick computer or a Roku or whatever, Right. Um, you could have that on a display and just that display through that Android device could join as a virtual, join the virtual room. So that display doesn't have to be connected to the box. Oh, very cool. It like joins a meeting. So you just, yeah, it just streams the content. Exactly. So you're, so what this, uh, this opportunity I'm talking about a lot about this work cafe, I'm sitting here and I bump into Bob and Bob and I have our phones. We could sit down. Yep. We just launch our HRT app grab that TV as one of the available displays, launch it into the room with us. And now all of a sudden that's showing content from my phone to him. And we're not, you know, we're not even looking at our personal devices anymore. We're using the large screen and using the, the phones as a way to navigate things. I, I've always liked devices that not only share a presentation, but also share, uh, not only share a presentation to the large format screen or the front of the screen, but also to in-room devices. I've always liked yep. that. Any any device that has it, I've always thought that was a great idea. Um, yeah. So that's, kudos to that. whoever came up with that. Yeah, they they've and they've done it for years. They just they haven't um, marketed it honestly very well, unfortunately. Yeah, and there 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 are some systems out there that are quite I find very cumbersome to to and clunky. Um, and I think that's what most most manufacturers 
just seem to be trying to smooth that smooth out the process that like you said the technology isn't new now let's try and make the process smoother so yes um yeah i think yeah, i like it that was the main thing my my initial hang up was you had to have the app and so they do have to have you do have to have the app in order to do all that stuff um you can share without the app via you know a link but um yeah. but i guess if you were going to deploy something as an enterprise tool um you know, you just download it as part of the image and tell everybody to get this app. I mean, we tell everybody to get Teams on their phone or tell everybody to get Slack on their phone or whatever. I mean, you right. say, go get and that, this that's app. That's what I was going to say. Is you, I mean, I don't think the day will come where you you, ha you can get away from that, right? Until everyone uses the exact same device. Yeah. You're going to have challenges with, with, with doing that. So yeah. without I mean, having to download some form of... Yeah, and they have, like I said, you can share just through the browser. So you don't have to have the app for everything, but for like the advanced feature stuff, you have to have the app for the most part. So, um, but no, it was right. interesting. I mean, those are the kind of things that I find, you know, are kind of become the the hurdles to adoption, which, you know, a lot of AV companies don't think adoption's their problem. That's, the, it's upon the company to teach their users or to get their users to use the stuff we install. Um, but I think more and more AV companies are starting to embrace this idea of um, we need to we need to be uh, consultants for the most part on workflow that allow us to go in and show yep. people, you know, how, not not just how the room works, but but actually how it fits into the way that they do their meetings and the way that they do their business. Um, and what's interesting is the way that you said that is 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 that you have to show them how this can fit into their existing workflow and not with the expectation that no, no this is a great tool all you have to do is totally redo the way that you do things yeah then it's easy if you just completely revamp the way that you guys normally do things this yeah. tool's great exactly yeah yeah <laughs> So I, I trying to identify, okay, how, how do you do things now? What I find is what I find challenging sometimes with clients is, is that they want, is, is that maybe the, the portion of, of the client that you're working with, they want the company to work a certain way. Yeah. And they want, they want to ignore the fact that it doesn't at this time. And so I find I've been in conversations where I'm caught in the middle of, Hey, I'm with you. I want to sell you and I want to move you into this amazing new technology, but without the adoption of your organization and only a handful of you pushing it forward, it's not going to happen. It's not going to be successful. People are going to hate it. And so we have to, you have to, you have to encourage the way that they're working into, into that new piece of technology that could maybe take them, move them forward. I don't know, maybe move them forward if that's the way to say it, but. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I love the whole, you know, you know, Jared, a bicycle, a bicycle is, it's, it's a waste. There's two wheels. It, it takes extra materials. It, it's a, it increases carbon footprint of factories. You know, a unicycle does the same thing. It's pedals in a wheel. I mean, I'm just going to give you one of yeah. those instead, right? Yeah. Oh, wait, a, wait a second. I don't know how to ride a unicycle. <laughs> like, well, what do it you doesn't mean? matter. It's half. You know, it's it, half the waste. If you just learn about this, it's a much more efficient way to do everything that you're doing. You just have to ride this unicycle instead of the bicycle. Like, you know, it's, it's a. It's not. It requires too much investment in learning something new. This is why diets have never taken to me, right? Because no one has come to me with a diet yet. That's a Jared. You have to change the way that you're eating. You can't 
can't eat four cookies every day and you know and <laughs> all these desserts and lose weight and i'm like okay well i'm not changing the way i do things you bring me a diet where i can continue doing that <laughs> yes yeah. exactly yeah i want the cookie diet you want the cookie diet that's it's it's true it's 100 percent true and i think i mean i think it's it's an opportunity is what it is more than anything. And you, you're starting to hear more, more technology people talk about it. Um, but I don't know how many have started implementing it into their, into their needs analysis, as far as like, you know, what do we need to see in order? What do we need to see? Is it, we almost, so we do this, right? So as an industry, we go in and we say, okay, they have a 12 foot ceiling. So I'm gonna need an extra 12 inches of black drop on a projection screen. And they have, you know, they have this kind of table. <laughs> and they don't want anything cut in. So I'm gonna use these kind of ceiling mics that you have these beam forming arrays. Okay, I got that. And then I see this yes. and I do that. I see this and I do that. When do we go in and say, okay, I see people coming in the room and doing this, which means I'm going to offer this solution to accommodate that style of working. And I don't know that we've gotten that far yet because many times we bid these things just looking at floor plans. How many times have, how many oh, times have I, most AV people ever been in and watched a company work before they give them a price on a piece of equipment? Yeah, and they're taking guidance and, and lead from, from an internal committee that's been assigned to take on this project. So, and, and you know, and, and that committee has not surveyed or done their homework within the organization to understand what, what their own organization uses. Right, they, they've been assigned the, the four SMEs of the organization to represent them to do this new deployment of, of XYZ technology. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, the struggle is real, Mark. <laughs> the struggle is real. For sure. And well, you do I've find been... clients, some clients have, some, some clients have a great appreciation for the conversation. And I do, I do find some clients, I, I have had clients that I get a bit of pushback when I start questioning why they may or may not. And I find that interesting. Like why one thing, one, I'll tell you one thing that's been coming up a lot for me is, oh, and over here we want a smart TV. And I'm like, okay. So when I hear smart TV, I think oh, you want Netflix on it. Like you want Netflix and like Google music and, and that like, that's a consumer term to me. And so what's funny is I've had a handful of clients that have used that term and I've, jumped in on that and I just said simple things like, hey, you said you want a smart TV here. You know, is that really what you, like, why do you, why did you say a smart TV? Like, what is, and they say, oh no, we want the ability to wirelessly share or we wanted the, we want the ability to connect our laptops to it without wires and show. And I'm like, okay, so that's not really a smart TV. That's a, you know, that's just a TV that has wireless sharing attached to it. It, it doesn't have Netflix or Amazon and, and stuff like that. And I, I did have one client that kind of got ornery with me because I not corrected. I don't know. It was just, but anyways, this is a very small example on pushback when you start questioning what they're asking for. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think that's, I think that's what you, I mean, in a way you have to do some of that. Um, you know, and especially if you don't yeah. have a relationship with, with the client, because you don't understand the intent, you don't understand the intent of, of the statement, right? Like, like you said, smart TV to you means Netflix and stuff. Okay. What are they, my, my understanding was they were using this room for, you know, meetings. Right. Well, why, why do we want those type of services on the television? And so my, my advice on that has always been, 
I, I was of this sales school that was called pace, pace, lead. I don't know if you've ever heard this term. I'm going to drop it now for everybody. No. I, I think I've done it on selling AV once a long time ago. Um, I came from a place where I was taught something called pace, pace, lead. Okay. And so the, the methodology or the, I guess the thought process behind pace, pace, lead is you and I have a new relationship and just like a bank, in order for me to make any withdrawal from you, I have to have a balance. I have to make deposits. So I need to make deposits into yep. my Jared Hillman AV account before I can start to try to take a withdrawal from you. Right. Right. So for, for you to say, I want to, I want a smart TV. And for me to say, why do you want the smart TV? You're like, dude, who are you? Like, I don't right. even know. I don't know you. I haven't established trust. So one of the things that's interesting about what you did is you almost, you, you're working pace, pace lead very well in, in a way, just kind of naturally. So what pace, pace lead says is confirm, confirm the statement, right? So acknowledge what it is and give a couple examples. So give a couple pieces of information of affirmation. So let's say um, I was working in IBM. I used pace, pace lead all the time. So uh, IT manager would tell me we can't buy computers until January 1st. So my pace, pace lead was, I completely understand that. Like lots of big companies like you have annual budgets and yep. I know you guys have a buying cycle for your capital expenditures. So there's my first pace. I heard you yep. and I understand exactly what you're saying. And I'm affirming that a lot of people do this. My second pace would be something like, you know, um, you know, in fact, here at IBM, like where I work, I guarantee you, if somebody called us right now and just tried to sell us something out of the blue, we wouldn't be able to buy it until our yep. next cycle comes up. So like giving a second affirmation of, yes, that's a very valid point and I hear you. And then not saying, but. So you're, when you go into your lead, you say, and you use this magic phrase called and, right? Yes. Um, yeah. So if you use, but however, all of a sudden you, you pretty much just said, okay, everything I said now, just discount that because now I'm going to tell you what I really thought. Like now that I'm was gonna, all lip service. This now is I'm going to educate you. Like I'm going to pat a Cali you. Yeah. Hey, you know, <laughs> a lot of people like smart TVs. In fact, I have a smart TV at my house it has Netflix and Amazon. It's amazing. But, but that's not offices, what we use in the, but most in the offices office. Don't, don't use smart TVs. So what are you asking about? Right. So, yeah. So in this case, you know, like with IBM, we'd say, you know, and I, I'd say, I, I also know that here, you know, in my division, a lot of times we'll have like extra inventory and all of a sudden we may be blowing stuff out of here at half price. Yep. If that happens before January, before your buying cycle, is that something that I should alert you to, or is it something that I should just keep, or should I just call you back in January? And they'll go, Oh no, if you're starting to, if you're, if you got something going on like that, I want to know about it for sure. I'm like, okay. So this yeah. person has just told me that timing isn't the number one factor that if there is a price advantage to moving before January, that they would be interested in talking about it. Yep. So instead of being a salesperson that calls back on January 1st and finds out they bought 500 computers from Dell in December, I'm the salesperson who, when that, I go back to my boss and say, Hey, I just talked to Coca-Cola and they told me if I can find something at half price, I have permission to call them back. Great. Let's go through and see what we got here. Make these guys a deal. Right. So yep. as a, as a salesperson, this pace, pace lead allows me to create some credibility with a client and then make some type of ask back. And so like what I, what I typically do in those situations is instead of asking for, you know, in that case, it was a very transactional sale, right? I'm on the phone. 
But in your case, when you're talking about this and you go like, oh yeah, I, I have a smart TV. It's amazing. It does X, Y, and Z. And I know a lot of companies are using more and more cloud-based services within their offices, or maybe they're storing some of their training videos and stuff on YouTube and they're accessing them through the YouTube app on the television, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, can you take me through, do you mind just stepping me back one, one step and taking me through kind of um, your decision process on how you came to this type of TV that you wanted for these rooms. You know, just asking them right. to now tell you how they're going to use it and why they asked for that term, as opposed to saying, oh, well, that's like, as opposed to taking it as a hard break of, well, what you're asking for doesn't line up with what you're saying. Because in that way, it almost creates a little conflict. And most people are probably cool with it. But doing it in the same way of asking them to explain what they're looking for but not with, but not in the term where you're using like a, but a however, uh, it doesn't sound like the, you're the asking. Yeah. Like you're not using the term you should like, be using. Yeah. Like you and I, I think you and I have had this conversation before where we've both been in meetings with, you know, either, uh, maybe, uh, IT departments or competitors and the competitor just starts spouting off every industry term, and almost, almost, almost speaking to the client, like they're an idiot, you know, and yeah. And you're going, okay, pump the brakes there, buddy. Like, let's just, you know, let's, let's actually hear the client out on what they're asking for before we start going, well, if you don't know this and well, why would you want that? And you know, oh, well, everyone's doing this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There, there is, there is like a, it's like a, it's like a white glove kind yeah. of way of doing things. Right. I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's amazing that pace, pace lead methodology is amazing for conflict resolution too. So I would have people who yeah. called in and said, Hey, I just moved into my house and I don't have speakers in my kitchen. And you look at their paperwork and they just have the pre-wire for the speakers. They had purchased the pre-wire, but not right. the actual speakers in their kitchen. Right. Yeah. So there's this miscommunication between what they remember and what they, what they purchased always right? yep. and this this happens and a lot of times like i was called in you know to to talk to these people and the salesperson who they talked to was gone so the, it isn't even that i have a pre-wire in my kitchen it's brian said i was going to have speakers in my kitchen yeah. brian's yeah, not with the builder you, told me and i don't have speakers in my kitchen yeah and so i would go through this whole process and i'd say you know what i first off like I wasn't in the room. So I definitely, I definitely can't speak to what Brian said or didn't say. And I, yeah. I, I don't want to, I don't want to put myself in a position to do that. What I really want to do is figure out a way to help you. Right. And I'd say, secondly, you know, as I'm looking through the paperwork here, I see that there was a pre-wire purchase. So there is wiring there. That's good news because that's the hardest part of getting speakers in your kitchen is getting wires back to the living room without tearing up all your drywall part. Um, you know, and when you're going through this process, you're picking carpet and you're picking tile and cabinets. And Brian probably told you the price of speakers versus price of pre-wire versus price of premium. And you're doing a hundred things at once. It's, it's, it's hard to keep track of everything. I completely get it. Right. So yep. I want to help you get what you need. I just can't, I just can't give it away for free. So if I could come up with a way to get this stuff to you at cost, you know, get speakers in your house, not have to make a lot of money on it and be able to cover our labor and our materials cost and pass it on to you. So you have what you thought you bought Yep. and we're both whole, you know, is that something you'd be interested in me coming up with? And they'd be like, no, I think that's fair. 
right? Like most people, if you could find that framework, but the pace pace lead really puts it as opposed to saying, well, you only bought a pre-wire. Well, Brian told me, well, Brian's not here and you only, I'm looking at your paperwork. You only bought a pre-wire and we delivered what you need. If you want to buy speakers, I'll sell them to you, but you only bought a pre-wire and you got what you need. That's factual, but it, it does not create, it does not create a solid ground for negotiating a happy customer. Right. Yeah. So yeah, like you're just empathizing right out of the gate with them and you're, you know, yeah. you're, you, you do this with, I mean, this is, if you've ever read a parenting book. Yeah. Right. Especially if you have teenagers, you have teenagers. Caveman. <laughs> oh, well, with toddlers. Have you ever heard of caveman method with the toddler? No. no. So there's this, it's, it's pace, pace lead for little kids. And we'll have to break in a minute, I'm sure. But this yep. pace, pace lead for little kids is uh, something they call the caveman method, right? Like where, when the kid, when, when a child, a toddler, especially who has trouble vocalizing exactly what they're yep. frustrated about, right? So toddlers yep. frustrated. They only have two emotions. Yeah. Mad and happy. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I'm either in bliss or I'm, I'm upset. Yeah. Like I'm one of the two. Yeah. I'm either, and I'm so, all the way in on either. So the, um, the thing is like standing from a position of power and telling the kid to quit crying doesn't acknowledge the fact that they're frustrated. They don't have yeah. the ability to communicate what they really want. And you're, you're asserting dominance from this elevated position on a kid just telling them to shut up and go about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this, this caveman method, which I found worked well in times when kids were inconsolable is you drop down, drop down, you get eye level. Yep. You and I are here together, right? Yep. This is the empathy, the empathy part. We're here on the same level, look them in the eyes and you confirm you're like, I know you're mad. You're, you're really mad, huh? You're upset. And they're like, yeah, yes. Like, getting them to know that you understand their state of mind and the way that they're feeling is yep. the first step to actually leading them into a solution. That's going to make things better as opposed to just throwing a granola bar at them when they wanted a, a cookie and you say, well, I don't have cookies. Eat this stupid granola bar. Instead. <laughs> <laughs> so you get down and you're like, I know you really wanted a cookie. I know you're mad. You're upset. I, I wish I had one for you. I don't, this is what I have. Like we can get more when we go to the store or something. Okay, cool. I'll take it. Right. Like, but that's what really brings people back. Yeah. And I hate to say that that's what pace, pace lead can boil down to. And it's in its most basic form. Yeah, And, and, and we're not trying really to say that clients are children, but it's the no. same, it's the same structure. It's the same, everything from employees to clients, to children, to spouses, being able, like being, being able to, if you're, if, if, if anything, your first point of contact is building that understanding you, you're already setting up for success, right? I think that's what you're trying to say. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's, it's okay. First I see, I completely see your viewpoint and yeah. I'm, I'm here with you to help. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying, I understand what you're saying. I get exactly. it. Yeah. And, and here's, here's the perspective I'm coming from. So you're coming yeah. from this person. I hear you, Mr. Customer, Mrs. Yeah. Customer. I know, I know why you're frustrated. I see your perspective. This is what I understand you're saying to me. Confirm or deny, they confirm. This is where I'm, this is where I'm seeing it from. Yep. And now we're here at this point. How do we move forward from these two perspectives into something that we're both okay with that makes us both, that makes us both whole in the end of this, that makes you happy with, with where we're at. And yeah. 
when we do that, then all of a sudden we have this huge opportunity to resolve conflicts, to have better relationships, to get more information, to build more trust. Like all these things we're talking about yeah. all come together and it comes full circle to back to what Legrand asked you was they came to you and asked you for your opinion on what they should do to be a better of better service to you as Hillman AV, Jared. Yeah, they didn't ask me for help. No, and they didn't come to you and say, hey, we have these six ideas, what do you think of them? Yeah. Right? Look at that, full circle. We actually brought this podcast around to something. I, I can't believe it. There we go. <laughs> that's, our, that's our segue out. That's our segue out. So, all right, that's, everybody. That's, yeah. Empathy, understanding, yeah. Uh, yeah. keys to conflict resolution, all sorts of good stuff in here. I don't know. I, th I think it turned out okay. For two guys without a plan, this one turned out all right. So it was good. Like okay. Aaron, Aaron Peterson from Mechdyne was trying to get in, but he didn't see the second tweet with the password, and then he had to go to a <sighs> meeting. So we had put out a Zoom bomb alert, and somebody did try to Zoom bomb us, but unfortunately, as Jared said, I didn't put out the password in the, in the main tweet. I put it in the response, and uh, he didn't look deep enough to get in right away. So bummer, but we will. let's invite him. So this is this was really just our tactic. We wanted to see who tried to get in, so we could just ask them to, come, to be formally be a guest. Yeah, we didn't want to ask. We, we we want we want them to come and come and educate us. Exactly. There we go. Well, cool, everybody. Thanks for joining us, AV Daybreak. We uh, hope you learned something today. Um, I think we taught ourselves something accidentally. So <laughs> yep. we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Thank <laughs> you.